I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilles Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. We're host Andrew Schleich. We're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com. With me today, my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Hey, Andrew. Good morning. Hey, morning pod. Uh, so the Thunder lost last night to the Los Angeles Lakers, 112 to 107. The Lakers, the Lakers are really good. They're a really good basketball team. Turns out putting LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the same basketball team is good. Much better than I anticipated. Yeah. Although, I sh- we should have seen this coming because their <coughs> early season schedule was like a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very predictable that they were going to get off to a really nice start. And for some reason, I completely ignored that and forgot about it. And now I act surprised. <laughs> They're twelve it's and true. two. Like you, you look at who they've beaten. You look at their 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 schedule over these past couple of weeks, and it's been pretty easy. It gets really hard starting in December. So, yeah, we'll see we'll, what they're we'll, made we'll, of. We'll see the real Lakers. Right. They're good though. I mean, they're getting good minutes from Jamel McGee. Like he was, like he played some good minutes for them. Probably better minutes than what Steven Adams gave the Thunder last night. Oh, no, Andrew. Don't you think that's true? Like, that hurts to say, but it's, I think it's true. Yeah. I mean, at least last night, we finally get... Somebody finally admits that he's not 100%, yeah. which obviously we all know. We can see it with our own eyes. Right. But... but uh, Billy Donovan did say last night that he's still dealing with a knee issue. And that's why they closed with Noel over Steven Adams. He's, yeah. He actually said, obviously, obviously, we're still dealing with <laughs> Steven's knee. I don't want to say he's on a minutes restriction, but we're trying to be mindful and keep him in a range. Because he only played 24 minutes last night, 26 minutes against the Clippers. Yeah. it's a, I mean, it's a problem. It's a problem. And some of it, like the knee explains some of it, like the, the inactivity, like the, you don't see a lot of like hard screens from Steven over the past several games, but like not being able to catch the ball. Like if, if that's your knee, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is eventually connected to the knee. <laughs> we are all one thing, <laughs> man. I don't, it's, it's, it's concerning. I mean, it's obviously concerning. And if he's dealing with injuries now, what are we, 12, 13 games in? I mean, right. Because, I mean, I guess this is 14 games in. He had a great preseason. Like, am, I go, am, I, am I taking crazy pills here? Like, he's had a great preseason. He played really well. He not only had a great preseason, but he also, I feel like just a few games ago, he, we thought he was back to normal. What, yeah. what game was that? Remember when he had, like, the big block? Yeah, and he was jumping, and he caught an alley oop, and yeah. Yeah, what was the game where he was jumping? <laughs> what was the what game? Was that? Because <laughs> it wasn't against Montrez Harrell, 
who looked oh, so he looked like 20 years younger than Steven Adams. He, he was really so did. active. He really did. And that was Steven's thing, you know? Like activity, right. uh hustle. And yeah, Steven looks like he's in his 30s. Like he looks like he looks like old perk. Like post knee oh, surgery. Oh no. Perk. Does he not? Like he kind of does. Or it's no, like, he does. I, I, I have to like, last night that the last two games they've started out with Steven Adams post possessions. Yeah. And uh both of them have failed and it just reminded <laughs> me of Perk. Yeah. It's it's kind of sad. And I'm not saying like this is who Steven Adams is. It's funny when I tweet out like oh Steven's playing like really poorly. Like what's going on with him? People are like oh this is who he's always been. He's never been any better than this. I'm just like, okay, like, this is not true. It's not true at all. Like he averaged 14 points per game last year. I mean, yeah, it's. I just wish they would give us more information. I mean, we don't deserve it, but yeah. it would it would just help the conversation because clearly there is something going on, and I don't feel like we've ever really gotten good details on what's happening. Yeah. Like if they just if he if he or anyone came out and said, "Yeah, my left knee, it really hurts. I tend to notice it later in games. Makes it difficult to jump." Be like, "Oh, wow. Well, that's a bummer." Right. You'd at least it know that just, what would, we're I, dealing with. Instead, people are just like, "Oh, he's washed." Like he's right. Just, <laughs> he's not washed. Like there's clearly something going on with him. And maybe but obviously it's things. not it's not bad enough where they're gonna sit him and play Muscala. No, like he's still going out there for half the game. So yeah, it's a very strange situation. And if it was, oh geez, if we had Russ and PG on this team, oh, it would be a it would be a much bigger deal. Oh, it'd be a huge deal. He's supposed to be the third. As best it player. is, it's just kind of like whatever. I feel bad. I wish Steven was playing better, but yeah, doesn't really matter. Yeah, right. It yes. Because I mean, and people forget that like his contract expires after next season. And Yeah. He's a trade candidate for sure. But he's also a guy that could just stick around and they could have him on a cheaper contract. Because the, when he retires after next season, cuz he's washed <laughs> when he's 37 next next summer. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to pull up his basketball reference page because I, I was just looking at his season averages and it's kind of sad but i mean this is he has about the same averages that he did in his second year in the league and yeah, he's playing about cool. the same amount of minutes i mean it's it's weird and he's shooting a worse percentage from the field he was 54 percent that year 50 percent this year uh 29 percent from the free throw line 29 He's never shot worse than 50%. Like 50% would be great. One point per possession. <laughs> like that'd be great. Wow. But, our 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 expectations have really fallen. Yeah. His assists are up. That's cool. 2.6 assists per game. I don't know. Something's up with Steven. I don't I'm just not going to buy into this is who he is or this is who he has been the whole time. I th- that's not true. That's not even close to being true. I mean, he's 13.9 points per game last year, 9.5 rebounds. Like, that was the guy. One block per game. He's averaged a block per game since the second year in the league. He's at 0. 0.7 right now. 
It's still a small sample size. We're dealing with 12 games here. But it's it's getting to be concerning. Like the constant, like Steven doesn't look like himself, is has been a conversation that we've probably, we have, we've had it every year, but we just haven't had it right. this early in the year before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jeez, I was just thinking about how our whole thing in the off season was like, we just got to manage Steven so that he's healthy at the end of the year, like before all the trades happened, right. obviously. Like that was our big hope that we could just get to the end of the season and Adams looks like he usually does at the beginning of the season. All that's gone up in smoke, Andrew. Maybe he's turning it on its head. Maybe he's just going to have a breakout March. Well, I have been thinking about like if their schedule was flipped, yeah, their record would probably be flipped right now. And oh, it'd be, no and it'd, doubt. This early season thing going on right now, we, we'd have complete opposite emotions. It would it would have been really interesting. Instead, we got maybe the hardest schedule in the league. Yeah, and now we're five and nine and. Unless you're watching them every night, I bet just general people scrolling through the standings don't realize how good OKC has been. Yeah. Like consistently night after night. The only bad game was that Pacers game. Mm-hmm. And they and deserve a lot of credit for it, but it obviously hasn't shown up in the win-loss column. But if they had like if they had the Lakers schedule, I almost want to go look at the Lakers schedule and figure out what they would have done. But I bet they would be like nine and five. And we'd be feeling really good or bad. I don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel after losses? I don't feel like you. You go on, you, and there's a few other of them out there. You go on and say, oh, that's a win win. Win win. Close loss. And we maintain our ladder position. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I I really thought that you'd be there before me. I know you. I know. Because I am a big Hinky fan, big process believer. Yeah. But. This team is just like not at that point yet. Yeah, like there's they're going to win more than thirty games if if they stayed together. Mm-hmm. Like there's just too many good guys on the team. So for me, it's like I would rather beat Paul George. Like that would be really cool. Yeah, like I would rather beat Patrick Patterson. <laughs> you know, like that that game especially last night. Yeah, I, I just didn't think they played well enough. Um, but the game against the Clippers, I mean. They were really good defensively, and they should have had an opportunity to win that game. And, uh, you know, last year they would have because the challenge wouldn't have ever happened. And who knows what happens on the last possession. Um, but, yeah, I don't I – don't, I'm not there yet. I'm not that far yet. I know in the back of my mind, listen, if they end up trading these guys, these early season losses are actually a benefit – Oh, because yeah. we know that it, whenever they trade Gallo or whenever or if they trade Chris Paul, like this team's going to go in the tank, like they're going to be bad yeah. and losing a lot of games. So if you can pick up some <laughs> losses early in the season in that scenario, when they're good, it would be a benefit. But I'm still not there. I can't get there. I'm still just angry. I was angry after the Clippers game. Would you be I more angry at the end of the season if they had the 13th pick, though? Rather than what like, I what like if they if they end the season they win all these games that you want them to win. I know, but it's one game. Up, Just give me one game. Let me up, beat Paul George. They end up with the thirteenth pick, and you're like, why did they win those games? Like they and they may finish and have like the eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth pick. Like that's that's yeah. a that's a big difference. That's a big difference, and that's and that's why For like sure. there's like some 
not, I'm not, I don't get excited for them to win. Like, it's not like I get super pumped and I'm like dancing around my living room whenever the Thunder lose. Like, that's, that's not a thing. Prove it. But building a team, like the strategy of losing close games, like one, getting good experience for these players. Like, I think like getting good experience for Baisley and for Shea is really important. And so playing close games is it matters it matters because you get to play crunch time minutes against the best in the nba awesome even ferguson which billy really screwed that up against the clippers that you had chris paul in there and uh, guarding paul george instead of ferg because ferg was awesome against against paul um but getting good experience for those guys and then plus potentially getting like the seventh pick instead of the 12th pick is kind of a big deal so. It is, and I'm happy to reflect on that at the end of the season. <laughs> but I'm happy to reflect in the on moment, that at the, lo- at the draft lottery. <laughs> yeah, no. in the moment, I and also for the guys on the team, like there's a lot of prideful professionals on this team, sure, who probably do not like to lose game after game after game. And I can't. I know how it feels to me, who's still like invested in winning or losing. Yeah. Just as a fan, I can't imagine what it's like being like Chris Paul yeah. and really trying and playing really well. I mean, he was awesome in that Clippers game, trying that hard and then losing just like game after game after game. Like they they got to get something. You got to give throw them a little throw them a bone, Andrew. <laughs> they got to give them a win, give them a win here or there. They'll, they'll get some. I mean, they beat the Sixers. I know, I know. Like that was cool. Like you want to beat the Sixers, the Clippers, and the Lakers? Like I don't know. Like I don't, those are all games you're supposed to lose. People would people would be talking. People, people would be, be talking. talking. Talking about people. <laughs> the, pro- um, the problem is like it's not about this season though. You know, like this is not the this is not. We have to just kind of shift our mindset because this is it's nothing about the Thunder's future is about winning games this season. You know. Like nothing, right? A, a little, a little of it. Like, like what? Like what? A little bit of this season, winning games this season, is a part of like the Thunder's next push. I, I will tell you. I will tell you. Transitioning the fan base. <laughs> I think that people aren't ready for the drop off, and. Sam has put together a team that on paper can win a, a couple games. Yeah. And I think that is actually good for the fan base to ease them in. Let them down easy. To what is, yes, let them down easy. Kind of ease them into what's coming because we know what's coming. And, and so I like this idea of the transition year where, yeah, maybe you win like 30 games, 35 games or whatever. And it, and it's this plucky team of all these guys that you you like and you root for, and they play really hard. Like I, I think there's some benefit to that, sure. just for like the sanity of the fan base. Yeah. Well, and I think that we're getting that. Like we have a competitive team. It's not like they're we are getting crushed are. every night. No, think- no, we're not. I I just I want the because they're obviously like working really hard. I just want some of this to pay off for them. Yeah. Even though I know we went through the schedule earlier at the beginning of November, and basically we picked it out exactly, except for the Sixers win. Like they flipped that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
how do you think the how do you think everybody's gonna react when they trade Gallo? Because I think people are people understand the kind of player that Gallinari is. I mean, he's 19 points per game, five boards, get to the free throw line almost six times a game, shooting 92%, 41% from three on 6.6 attempts per game. I mean, he's a great player. But they're going to trade him. That's, right. It's going to happen. And, I mean, what's what's the reaction then? Because they may trade him for maybe even a contract that goes on for another year. That's not good. Yeah. That's not a good player. And then a pick. Yeah, I think it all depends on the return. Like, get, like if they get a unprotected 2023 pick from somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's that's what that would make me happy. That would make probably the Thunder front office happy. I don't know if it would or not, but I think that it would, judging by the picks that they've gotten already. But is that something like, I mean, we'll have to do a lot of it. We'll have a lot of explaining to do. I feel like, is that something? Yeah. Cause that's, that's the kind of deal that we're looking at. Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if, if they got like just a young guy who cares, like, <laughs> well, maybe not like any young guy, not like some other teams, Abdel Nader, yeah. but <laughs> a young guy that is mildly interesting. Remember, I Nader's think that not would soften young. the blow a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be weird and it would be weirder if they were winning some of these games yeah. again, if their schedule was flipped and they were nine and five right now with like their cream puff schedule at the end of the year. And then you're trading Gallinari after you get the f- fan base all hyped up. I think that's a lot harder to do. Yeah. It's Where likely they that now, they prefer picks to young players. It's, Do what? I said it's likely that they prefer picks to young to trading for a young player. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm just talking about the reaction from the fan base. I think yeah. it would be better generally. Obviously, you you only care about your sweet little assets. <laughs> so you just want picks. But I, I think it would go over better if they got like a, a young player back. Yeah. But I mean, yes, I, I think a pick true. is more likely is the more likely scenario. Yeah. No, I think that that's that's, I think that's true, uh, and I'm I'm guessing they've talked to Chris Paul about this. He must know, because that would be the thing oh. if I were him. That would just like, man, that's a real bummer. Because he clearly likes Gallo, he recognizes how good Gallo is. Yeah, I mean, once you take Gallo off this team, it's no longer a competitive team night in night out. I mean, Chris knows that this is a transition year for him, for Gallo, for the Thunder franchise. Like, he knows. Yeah. This is not like, okay, finally on the Thunder. And we're going to go for it. Like, that's not that's not the mindset behind any of this, you know? And he knows his ticket out is playing well and being a good guy in the locker room, you know? Right. Like, that's his way, that's his way out. Like, if he wants to go play for another franchise, which I believe he does, Think he would like a chance to win a championship? Like this is this is one. It's not the team to do that. And two, if he's disgruntled and not playing well, no one's trading for that contract. Nobody. Yeah. What, what do you What do you think about the idea of the Sixers just as as a tr- possible trade destination? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean the the three way trade that we were throwing around with the Blazers, I think, makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah, it's just a question of because I I wasn't really thinking about it seriously until I heard them talk about Tobias Harris's contract. The rights to Ricky Sanchez guys? Uh, no, Bill you, Simmons and Kevin O'Connor. Okay, well the the Sixers like the Sixers podcast was talking about him like talking about Tobias like that too. I mean, oh really? Okay, because that that's like the key part because you have to view Harris as like, oh my gosh, now this is the, an albatross contract in yeah. order for any of this to work. If Philly doesn't view Harris that way as like a benefit to get him off of the roster, then it doesn't happen. Yeah, because he's the real he's the only real movable contract that's that's large. I don't know that I don't know what the Philly management thinks, but the the fan base in Philly is like. They said the words, I don't know why OKC would do that. For what? Oh, really? Like a Tobias oh, well, for I, CP3 deal. Oh, well, yeah, I wouldn't do that either. They would. Would you? They would. No, 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 no. But if you could do a deal, a three-way trade uh-huh. that sends Chris Paul to the Sixers and sends Tobias to the Blazers and sends Whiteside to OKC and the Thunder get a first round pick. Say no more. That's all that that's that's all that needs to happen, right? Send like Blazers send us your a future 2022 first round pick. And there maybe has to go I don't know if something else has to go to Philly as well. Like throw them throw Mohamedou Diallo or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I I sent that trade to my Blazers friend last night and he was very into it. Because um, I was explaining to him that like they have to do something right now. Yeah, they yeah. have to. They have ninety-eight million dollars guaranteed next season, and that's without Whiteside and Bazemore on the books. The cap next year, if I googled correctly, is going to be around one hundred nine million. So they're only going. It's not like they're going to have even not, of course, not max spot, but even like twenty million <laughs> to offer a really good player to come in. So if they want to bring in a big contract, they have to do it before February by trading one or both of those expiring contracts. Like they have to do it. And I think that they need to do it because they just signed Dame to a long-term deal. They have CJ, they have Nurk coming back, like they have Melo. They can be they have Carmelo Anthony. So that's four or five pe- that's four of your uh, cornerstone pieces right there. Yeah. And I think they have to go all in. How can you not go all in with Lillard right now? Like, if you're not going to go all in, then just trade him. What's the point? Yeah. And that's what my friend was saying. He was trying to convince me that they need to tank this year. I was like, no. <laughs> like, you can't tank with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on your no. team. It's just, even if you wanted to, it's not going to happen. No. So, I, I think they have to do a deal, which makes, and so that brings us to Melo, who I watched last night. 4 of 14 from the field. I think he had 14, 10 points. 10 <laughs> points. Four rebounds. Honestly, for a guy who hasn't played in 365 days, I thought he looked fine. Like, he looked like mellow. Yeah. He he didn't look, like, obviously a step slow. Like, he tried to <laughs> he tried to posterize Jackson Hayes for some reason. Yeah. So he, he still has his confidence intact. Um, but I, you know... I don't even really bother with the first game because he was kind of set up to fail in that game. You know, playing your first game where Dame isn't playing, yeah. like they were going to lose anyways. So 
that that was always going to be a loss. They were on the road against the Pelicans. So I don't worry about it too much. But Man, when I you just talk, didn't know. When you were, I did not know you were a mellow homer. I just had no idea. I'm not a mellow homer. Just had no I just <laughs> we, give him a chance. A chance give to him do God. what? God, we got a bunch of Daryl Morey's out here. <laughs> you think his services are no longer needed? Give him a second. Will you give him a second? He hasn't <laughs> even played with Damian Lillard yet, and you already want to dig his grave. <laughs> his grave was dug like two years ago. Was it not? Well, just, he's back from the dead. I just don't know how he's a solution to any problem that you have. Okay, I okay. So yes, what he is a solution to is that I think that they want to avoid this type of giant deal that you and I are talking about because they know it would require giving up a lot of picks. Yeah, they 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 are trying to avoid that as best they can and just holding on until Nurt gets back. And so I think this is just in their mind a stopgap. Like we just got to get a body in here, bring change up something until Nurt gets back, so that we can avoid having to look at like the real big picture, like doing not a blow it up trade, but like a go all in trade, because they, my friend was actually telling me this, who's been a Blazers fan since he was a little kid, that like they've always treated their first round picks like they're very protective with them. Mm -hmm. It's very rare for them to trade first round picks. So when I initially sent that trade to him, he was like, I like it, but I don't think they've ever given up two first round picks in a trade. Mm -hmm. Like that would be so out of the blue for them. Mm -hmm. Like so abnormal based on their history. So I think the mellow thing is just like, we got to try something right now. And if it doesn't work, we still have the big trade option. Like they still have that available to them. So I think that was the idea. Because w- what else are you going to do? Like, just keep playing Mario Hazonia? Like, you might as well bring in Melo. It's a non-hungy deal. I'll just see what happens. I I mean, I don't... I would rather just play Nasir Little and get him some developmental minutes. Is what I would <laughs> That's fine. Do. But then you're basically admitting, like, we're not making the playoffs this year. You're basically admitting that when you bring Carmelo Anthony in to start I, at the power forward for you. Maybe among smart NBA people like you, all hoity-toity, <laughs> up in your ivory tower. But for us, NBA commoners down below eating scraps off the street, I think that that move is a signal that like they're trying to improve. What about Kenneth Fareed? Like, wouldn't you rather have Kenneth Fareed? No. You can't shoot threes. You're going to play him next to Whiteside? Get out of sure. here. Sure. Not interested. <laughs> no, I, I, I say why not? <laughs> okay. I just don't think the other options are that much better. Yeah. They're playing Mario Hazonia. And yes, Nasir Little has looked good. Yeah. But again, if he's your starting power forward, you're not making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't up, think they have that... to at least present the appearance that they want to win this year. This is why you have and to they make do a trade. want to win this year. That's why you have to make a trade. That's why you make a trade. This yes, is exactly. why they have to make a trade because, like, the mellow deal actually makes it even like more so that they have to make a deal to me. Like, it just makes it more glaringly obvious. Like, we can't play Hazonia. We can't play Nasir Little. They're not going to be able to play mellow because mellow's not going to be able to defend. Like that's the key. Like cool, he he'll make some shots, but he's going to take away so much on the other end. 
that you won't be able to make up for it because they don't have the wings. They don't have the wings or the defenders to to have Melo on their team. I mean, the Thunder had Melo on their team two years ago, and were okay because they had Andre Robertson, Stephen Adams, Paul George. Right? You can cut. We got you. We got you covered, Melo. I mean, and then once they removed when when Andre was removed due to injury, that cover was gone. And the team was not good. Now you're dealing with Dame, CJ, Whiteside, and Mello. I don't even know who's starting at the three for them. Bazemore? I mean, you don't have anybody. You have no elite defenders. Zero. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you don't think of Evan Turner, Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless as like amazing NBA players, but the collection of those three guys. Like that's some quality wing minutes in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, who's on the Magic? Like, what is he doing on the Magic? Why don't you just pay him? Yeah. Like, why don't you just pay him? I don't remember what his deal was with the Magic, but uh, yeah, they could have paid him. Yeah. I think Whiteside is the bigger issue though, because he is so uninterested in playing basketball. I can't <laughs> believe this is a contract year. I mean, he's getting his stats, but last night was one of the first like Blazers game I watched from beginning to end, and he is just—he just doesn't care. Like Jackson Hayes, it, it honestly, the Jackson Hayes Whiteside thing was kind of like Montrez and Stephen Adams. Like Jackson Hayes, for good reason, he's a rookie, but he was so much more active than Whiteside and was just like running circles around him trying to get rebounds. He's bad, and I fell into it because I heard that him and Dame were good friends. <laughs> I thought that Dame could convince him to just play with some energy every night. But Whiteside is still Whiteside. He just wants his stats, which shout out to my fantasy team, but that's he, about it. He's the anti-Steven Adams in so many ways. You're like, Steven doesn't care about his stats. Like He just will do the things that uh, yeah, will true. help the team. Like set hard screens. Uh, play defense, be in position. Whiteside is the opposite. He's like, I'm only doing something if it if it records a stat, and that's all. Right. Like if I can get a block, cool. If I can get a rebound, great. If I can score at the basket, awesome. I'm doing nothing else, just nothing else. Well, the the night before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, as it's called, OKC is in Portland. Oh, wow. so we're going to get the mellow revenge game. By that time, he'll have four games under his belt. I'm predicting big, big things for Melo. I think he's going to drop 20 on us. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Why did they sign Joe Johnson? He can shoot. Yeah. Played for the big yeah, three. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably would be signing, like, anyone between, like, 6'6 six, six and 6'9 six, who yeah. could play on the wing. Yeah. I mean, Joe Johnson yes. plays. Yeah, he's he got cut by the by the Pistons, which doesn't feel super good. But yeah, like oh man, if imagine if they had someone like Tony Snell. Like that's the point they're at. Where like Tony Snell <laughs> would be so beneficial for the Blazers. <laughs> oh, it is so sad. Oh my gosh, if they could get Tony Snell, <laughs> they would be set. Oh man. So yes, they have. I I feel like. If they don't make a like big franchise-changing trade yeah. by February, I will be really disappointed. 
because you look forward again, like with their commitments already, like they don't have a lot of options going forward now that CJ and Dame are both going to be making over 30 million a year. Mm-hmm. So they, this is their shot. This is why you trade for those expiring contracts. It's not just like play it out yeah. with Hassan Whiteside and then let him go. Like you got to get something for him. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I'm been tr- we've been just trying to sell Portland on the idea of making a trade <laughs> for like three months now. I know. Hopefully like, they're listening. Hopefully they f- finally tuned in. Listen up. I mean, like Portland could have signed Dante Cunningham, or they could have signed Jonathan Simmons. Like those are guys that are out yeah. there. Anyways, yeah. Uh, did you see the Wall Street Journal article about the Thunder trade that led to the eventual Paul George trade? Uh, I didn't see it because I'm not allowed to read it. Okay. I clicked on it. So it basically outlines how the Thunder became who they are today with, with Shea and, and Gallinari. Uh, and it all started with just the Richard Lewis trade. And if you don't remember, I mean, the Thunder are about to enter in the era that they were in when they had Kevin Durant in Seattle, right? Like they had Kevin right. Durant in Seattle. They had Ray Allen. They had Rashard Lewis, both really good players and players that went on to play for a long time that played well. I mean, Rashard Lewis changed that Orlando franchise. You put him with Turkaloo and Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson, and that was a title-contending team. And you put Ray Allen on the Boston Celtics, title-contending team. Great players. The return they got for Richard, I think, was a second-round pick. They just didn't want to pay Richard Lewis. Yeah. And then they got Jeff Green for Ray Allen. And so they're about to have to do something similar. I don't think... It's it's a little different because Ray Allen was in a was a much better player than Chris Paul is and didn't have the Albatross contract that Chris Paul does. But they're about to do the same thing, where okay, like they have SGA, that's great. I mean, I think that I think it's safe to say that he's like the only real foundational piece that they have on the roster. Do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, yeah, yes, I would agree. So, I mean. <laughs> They're in a similar position because they had Kevin Durant with those guys. And they could have moved forward. And that that would have been a good team, right? I mean, if the Thunder had that team coming to Oklahoma City, you had Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis, Kevin Durant. Like, you're making the playoffs. Right. And you're making some noise. And if Kevin Durant gets good enough, maybe you can, you know, make a run at the finals. Maybe. But they, that's not the route that they went. And this is, I mean, this is the blueprint of about what, what we're about to see. And you just have to remember, yeah. like a trade, like the Gallinari trade may end up being, feeling like so disappointing. Because I, I think that Gallinari and Richard Lewis aren't too far off. I think Gallinari is better than Richard was, but they're like similar caliber of players and helpful in the same ways, like stretching the floor. I don't think, Richard could put the ball on the floor like Gallo can, um, but similar type of deals. And it's going to be a similar type of deal where it, I think the return is going to be like, that's what you got for that guy. Like that guy was good. That guy was helping us every day. He was really, so he could shoot it. He's really nice. And he's, I guess a great guy. Why would you that guy? You know, I think that's going to happen. But like, you have to know, like looking back, looking back, I mean, they don't have 
Shea. They don't have all these picks if they didn't trade Richard. It doesn't happen. And I think the reason why, because a lot of teams may have just said, hey, we're going to get a good pick no matter what. Keep Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, make a run or whatever. And I think the core idea behind the decision not to do that is duration, like length of time you could potentially be good. Because if you start fresh and lose those key pieces, you now give yourself the chance, like they did, to have like a decade of good basketball in Oklahoma City. Whereas that's not always the case if you just hold on to the aging stars as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal is to have another decade long run so that my son that just wants to be in this room so badly um, can watch a good team when he's eight, nine, ten years old, you know, man, your poor son, he's going to grow up and the thunder are going to be just like terrible when he's a, a little kid. He's going to like, dad, why are you, did you make me a fan of See, this He team? won't remember, but he won't remember it. He'll be too young. He'll be too young to remember it. And then when he starts to understand what basketball is, they're going to be awesome. I fully believe that. But the, the Wall Street Journal article is really, it's really interesting because it, and the, there's a photo of like the transitions that were made all the way through. Like they tried the Richard Lewis trade allowed them to make the Kurt Thomas trade, which is really one of Sam Presti's better trades. I don't know if people remember it, but they traded for Kurt Thomas, took on his contract, and received two first round picks to take That's on his so contract, crazy. which is nuts. One of which became Serge Ibaka, who then, yeah. I mean, the, the Serge Ibaka trade, the further we get away from it, is just crazy it's it is crazy it was i mean it's one of and there's a lot of trades like this but it was like a perfect storm trade yeah where the magic were in this position where for whatever reason they decided this is the year (laughs) post dwight rebuild that we have to make the playoffs like this is the year we (laughs) we have to buy into all these pieces on our roster at once and just go for it and you need stuff like that to happen. I mean, that's basically the Paul George trade, too. I mean, that was a perfect storm trade. Yeah. You do not want your team to be that team. You know? The magic? Yeah. No. I mean, people, I mean, right now, I feel like I'm in like a Twitter battle almost every day with people that are like like anti-tank. And like tank is it's such a... It's a tough word because it makes you think like they like the team wants to lose the team will never want to lose billy donovan doesn't want to lose any games he doesn't want to no coach coaches to lose games that doesn't happen unless they want to lose their job it's the it's an organizational choice to tear down the team and rebuild it and this is just tactical rebuilding is all it is and there will be pain that comes with it the idea is like you get these picks, you develop them, and I mean right now, the Magic could still have Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis to pair with Aaron Gordon right now. And those yeah. would easily be the two best players on the team. Easily. Oh man, if you think about an Aaron Gordon uh Sabonis front line. Yeah, man. They instead had of it. playing Aaron Gordon at the small forward. Instead, they have Terrence Ross coming off the bench. This is this is like the impatience that I think fan bases deal with, that I think ownership deals with, that you just 
you don't want to allow it. As a fan base, you don't want to be the ones pushing for stuff like this. Like you really don't. Because the impatience in a in a rebuild, in a good rebuild, always leads to mistakes like this. I mean it's why the Suns have been bad for so long, is because they continue to make mistakes like this. It's why the Knicks continue to just be awful because they have no patience whatsoever. None. Yeah. Yeah, and each of those, it's it's always something different, too, because, like, you could look at the Cavs the first time with LeBron, yeah. very similar to the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, yeah. where they get these generation, generational stars, and they instantly feel like, well, we got to bring in veterans and go for it right now, um, which there is some value to that, but it and it's Larry didn't Hughes, work out in either case, yeah. because it, it, then that player doesn't grow up with any players around him. Yep. And you're just shuffling in veterans year after year after year, and you end up signing some bad contracts, and that's what happened in both those cases. With the Suns, like, I I think a key point in rebuilding is never feeling like you're set at any one position. No. Like, the idea that they passed up on Luka, probably because in their mind it's like, well, we already have a ball handler. We don't need another ball handler. Yeah. But like that kind of thinking, I think, can really screw you up. Like if there's a generational player and you really think that it's a generational player, like you just have to grab them every single time. Yeah, you have to. You have to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, Darren Fox is good. But right now, with the Kings trade, Luka Doncic for Darren Fox? Absolutely. I mean, they would make that trade every single day. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's crazy. It's absolute madness. And the and especially like everybody's like they're averse to taking European players. Vlade's European player, like he's a European player. <laughs> why, why didn't the Kings take him? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. You have to you have to be smart. Like you just have to have a smart front office, or else you're just in trouble. Ownership and front office matter so much. Yeah, and and the reality is like OKC's management is so good. I think, and you think that like, no matter what plan they wanted to do, I think they could execute it really well. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like if, if they got an edict from the owner that like, Hey, we want to make the playoffs every single year. Like I think Sam Presti could put together a team this year. He could make the moves necessary to make the playoffs. Oh, like I really do believe that. You can make the trades today. To make the playoffs. Yeah, like if they, have the if they wanted to, to win they want. 48 games yeah. every year, I really do believe they could do it. Like if they wanted to be the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. I don't want the team but, to be the Indiana Pacers. I don't know about everybody else. I think there's some people that probably do that would like that. You compete every year. You lose in the first round. Maybe you make the second round. Cool. The end. Rinse, repeat. Like that's not what I, I want. Th- and I think what they would say, the counter argument is, and we all agree with this, but we need to state it, which is that, but there's no guarantee that those picks are going to turn into anything. Like you're just basically trading away all of these players, breaking it down to the foundation and hoping that these picks turn into something. And that's absolutely true. Like you're, you are correct. There is no guarantees. The reality is, and I tweeted about this, like all of these plans are bad. If your goal is to win a championship, none of these plans are good. None of them guarantee you a ring. None of them guarantee you the chance to be a contender going forward. But when looking 
at all the different paths forward if your goal is to win a championship. And that's really key. Like you have to decide whether you want to win a championship or whether you just want to be good. If your goal is to win a championship, getting a lot of high lottery picks, which involves losing, is the best path forward. It gives you the highest odds of attaining the type of Hall of Fame level player that is the most common thread on championship teams. Like, yes, you could become the 2004 Detroit Pistons. However, that was put together. You could do a bunch of trades for cast-offs from other teams and try to, like, patchwork this team together and suddenly find yourself with, like, this amazing five-man unit. But is that more or less realistic than what most of teams have done in NBA history, which is acquire a Hall of Fame-level player? And, yes, if you're, the, if you're the Lakers, you can do that through trade, like they did with Shaq. But for teams like Oklahoma City or like San Antonio, like it's going to happen through the draft. Yeah. And so if your focus is going to be the draft, you have to maximize your odds. And losing happens to be the way that the system is set up to maximize your odds. Mm-hmm. If they did the wheel, like the, the, the wheel proposal, you know, it would be totally different. There would be no incentive to lose. Like this is – they would do this because that's the way the rules have been set up. Exactly. It's it's where you are incentivized. You're incentivized to lose in the NBA if you want a chance at a Hall of Fame level, level player. Yeah. If they did the wheel or if they did like a reverse order or something like that, yeah, they would not be – we would not be talking about this right now. They would have to come up with a totally different plan. There would be a lot harder to do in a small market. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be really hard. And, yeah, this is, this is all a product of the rules that the NBA has set up. Like if you're going to be mad at anybody, I'd be mad at the NBA. Because this is the system they've set up, is to get the best players in the draft, you have to be bad. And in order to, like, you have to lose games. You just do. And it's just like with resting players, right? Like, you, like the Clippers are incentivized to rest Kawhi throughout the season because he will likely be healthier at the end of the season. You know, if the rules allow it, they're just operating within the rules. Like people want to be mad about it and make it like a moral issue. At the end of the day, if you're a Clippers fan and they push Kawhi to play every game, they go out in the second round because Kawhi's not healthy, and they have a hold the press conference and say, "You know what? We really we we did we did our best to make sure that everybody that bought a ticket to a Clippers game this year got to see Kawhi." I'm sorry we lost in the second round, but we made sure that you guys got to see him. When he came to Milwaukee, there you go, fans. Like no one's, everybody's gonna be like, "What? You did what?" And it's just, it's the same thing with losing games right now, because if if you get to the end of the season, the Thunder get like the thirteenth pick in the draft, and they hold a press conference. You know what? We made sure that we put the best product out there on the court. We didn't make the playoffs, but we really pushed to make sure we won as many games as we could this year. Well, while we could have had the fifth or sixth pick in the draft, we made sure that we won as many games this season as possible just for your entertainment in the month of November. Everybody's going to be like, that sucks. I would rather have the really good player rather than like a pick, be able to pick one of the really good players than like a guy that we have no clue. Like The odds of a guy at the 13th pick working out is not good. Like It's like less than, it's like 10% or less of them becoming a star. Now, a guy in the top five, like picked in the top five, the odds that a guy in the top five becomes a superstar player is like 
not great odds. It's a lot better than 10%. It's a lot better than picking in the middle of the draft where that just doesn't happen. And a lot of people want to point to Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people want to point to Giannis. A lot of people want to point to Kawhi. I mean, how many of those? I mean, how many of those guys have ex- since 1996? The only players right outside the lottery. Donovan Mitchell doesn't count. He's a lottery pick. Everybody's like, well, you can get guys right outside the lottery. The only guys since 1996, in between like 15, 15 and 20, I think, or 15 and 19, or whatever the range is. The, there's three guys, three, that have worked out. Steve Nash in 96, Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis. And that's it. There's nobody else. And you can imagine there's a lot of players that were taken in those spots. A lot of players that were taken in those spots. That's not a plan. You think the Bucks plan to take Giannis and that's the future of their franchise at that spot? No way. No way. They took a swing and it worked out. You think the Spurs thought they were getting Kawhi when they traded for, for him? No. They didn't know. That's that they're getting a wing defender. No no idea. Even the Mavs had they had Steve Nash. They traded him or they let him walk to go play for the Suns. Then he became the Hall of Famer MVP. They didn't even know then that, that he was that player. They didn't right. know. Nobody knows that those guys are going to be those guys. That's not a plan. People say, well, you just be good, and then you just you just take a Giannis. Like, no, that's not a plan. That is an anti-plan. I mean, it's, just, it's not logical. Like, I know you can identify that talent and pick them. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The odds are so low. The odds are so, so low. But then you look at the front of the draft, the top five. Yeah, there's busts. There's busts in every single draft. Like, you can point to Anthony Bennett. You can point to Marco Fultz. Great. Those are very convenient things for you to point to. Like, you're not pointing to the James Hardens and the Blake Griffins and those guys that are franchise-changing players. You're not pointing to those guys. Like, those guys, there's a lot of those guys, too. Like, go back and look. Yeah, it, Since 96, there's a lot. A lot. There's not three. There's a lot. In each case, you're looking at the exceptions. Like Anthony Bennett was the exception. Yeah. In the same way that Kawhi is the exception. But like the most common pick in those range, like, yes, you would take the top five pick every single time. That's like obvious. Yeah. But people, no one would disagree with that. People, but people are just, I think there's the reality is, I think that a lot of people are impatient. They would like to have a good, I want the good team now and I want the good pick. And the truth is, they may right. have the good team in the ne- in three years. They may have a good team. They may draft a good guy in this draft, and then they're going to have multiple picks going forward. They may get a good player in the next three years, and then the double draft, they're going to have at least two picks, maybe even more. And they may- that may be their generational talent that they get in that year. And then you have SGA, you have maybe two or three other good young players, and then you're ready to go. And then you may still be getting great players because you have the Houston Rockets picks and you have these unprotected Clippers picks. Like That's why those were pushed out so far. They could be set up like Boston was in a few years where they don't have to be bad anymore. Yeah. And they could potentially have lottery picks coming. And they have pick swaps with those teams. Yeah. I mean, those are huge. Those are huge. 
And that's why, I mean, lots of people get mad at me about this team losing now. But it's about the future. It's about, like, this This team is not a... This, this current team, like, they're fun. And they have a lot of good attributes. And they have good players. That's great. It would be... I think it would be a massive disservice to the franchise overall if they won, like, 45 games. Because then you put yourself in a position to, like, draft Cameron Payne. Hey! You know? like that's, that's like, or Kawhi. <laughs> or, or they could get Kawhi Leonard or Donovan Mitchell. I mean, and trust me, I, I love Donovan Mitchell in the draft. Like, that's, that's great. But the odds... I, I feel like teams are getting better at the draft. And... You want you want a chance to be able to draft Donovan Mitchell at eight and not just hope he drops you at thirteen. Right. You know, like that's why you want the higher pick. You get to choose from a lot more players. I mean, it's just I I don't know. Maybe I and to me it's all about the future of this franchise. It's all about where are they headed. And to me, I would want them to be headed in a direction that is a full rebuild. You try to get several top five picks and and if you're if you're mad that that could happen then then why did you love the last thunder era so much because that's exactly how they did it before it's exactly how they did it and i don't think that they ever thought in their wildest dreams that all they had to do was have three years that they did that i don't think that they thought that i thought that it would i think they thought it would take longer but it didn't. And listen, the rea- the reality is that you know attendance is going to go down. There will be a loss of fan interest over these next couple of years. Like sure. it's going to happen. It happened with the Sixers. Like it's going to happen. It happened with the Warriors. But all when the those Warriors people were bad. I mean, it yeah, happens. But yeah. like everyone comes back. Like when the team's good, people come back. And I think we're just so used to winning that like this year feels kind of fun because we do have this competitive team. But like if we had this same team like three years from now, people would be getting I mean, they'd be frustrated by next season. Like, where is this team going? Mm -hmm. Like, like if they won 45 games this year, had this really like encouraging competitive season, almost made the playoffs and then we do it again next year. Like at some point, I think even those fans would be like, well, okay, well, this is. We're not going anywhere. Like we have no realistic shot at a championship. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, it would happen eventually for everyone. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just, I don't know. To to me, if I got to choose the way they did it, I would. I just want as many top five picks as you can get as soon as possible. As soon as possible, because like you're gonna the pain is gonna happen at some point, right? The pain of losing. It's right. coming. Like it's it's coming. And you have to understand why. You can't if if you're going to dra- if you're going to drag your feet through the whole rebuild and then when they finally get good be like, "Oh, this is great." Like you're going to be miserable. <laughs> you're going to be miserable. Like you have to understand like there's there's a method in all of this madness. And it may look like madness and it may look like what is going like why do you need more picks? You have 15. What do you need more picks for? You want as many bites of the apple as possible. Well, I'm glad you've established yourself as Mr. Process so everyone can just argue with you on Twitter. 
uh, it's okay. Of I can handle it, me. and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not mad at people. Like I, I genuinely want to explain it. Like I genuinely no, want to. I think it's a good conversation to have because someone last night was, uh, I forget their name, but they were talking to both of us, and uh, I thought he actually asked a a good question that initially I just completely dismissed, which was like, okay, if you really just want a Hall of Fame level player, then you should be willing to trade Shea. Mm-hmm. For a lottery pick. I think that was Ed Cleesey. Cleese? Shout out to Ed. Yeah. Cleesey. Uh, and at first, like, I just responded no. Because <laughs> my my initial reaction is like, no. Like, that's not what this is about. But then I thought yeah. about it more. And I will say that if you could trade Shea for a guaranteed number one pick in a draft, I think you would consider it. Like, for maybe sure. not in every single draft, like going into the Anthony Bennett draft, like when we knew it was a weak draft going in, maybe you don't do it there. But I think most years you would probably trade Shea for a guaranteed number one pick. And the right. reality is no team with the number one pick would do that trade. Right. Because the the idea of having the number one pick is so like ingrained. Like that's where you get your franchise guy. Yeah. So on one Are you level, saying you want to trade like, him for Michael Fultz? You want to trade him for Fultz? What's wrong with you? Right, exactly. But it's like, yeah, if you got Zion, like if you got the number one pick in the Zion year, like, yes, you were obviously doing that. But I wouldn't just trade Shea for like a just lottery pick, you know? Yeah. No, because he's a, already yeah. the type of player that you want on this team. You're going to have to have more than one guy, obviously, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if, <laughs> if I could ever trade Shea for the opportunity to get someone like Luca, like, yeah, I would have done it. I wouldn't have thought twice. Like, yeah. when when you if if and when you can identify those type of generational players, you have to do it. You have to do whatever you no, can to get them, no matter what it costs. Yeah, and you don't, and you can't think about position in the draft either. Like, guard, forward, center. Like, oh, we already right. got our guard. We don't need him. That's that's what leads to, you know, the the Blazers not taking Michael Jordan. Like, those are the. That's a problem with a lot of those things. Is that there may be a generational talent right in front of you, and you don't take them because you think that you've already got that position locked down. Like you don't lock down any position until you know you have a generational talent there. You know, right. I don't know that Shea's a generational talent. I think he's really good. I think he could possibly be one, but I, I don't think we've seen enough yet to say that he is for sure a generational talent. So, uh, anyways, Alex, thanks for coming on the show today. <laughs> Anyways, just, we just rant for forever. Uh, follow Alex on Twitter at OutBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. We should have a special podcast coming to you at some point this week. Maybe at the beginning of next week. So stay tuned for that. We'll have our regular show on Friday as well. Hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. <laughs>